Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru, the show for and about conscious leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. Well, it's Christmas morning, and it really is Christmas morning. It's 1024 in the morning. We are just, I bet you could hear that toilet flush. I stopped, but I'm going to keep it in given the name of the episode and the story I'm going to share. It actually started on the evening of the 23rd. I sat down and I was writing about Christmas 2005 and sent it out to my email list on lauratucker.com. Then, based on the replies that I had in my inbox, I turned it into a video for Christmas Eve last night. And now, based on the response to that, particularly on Instagram, um, I'm taking a few minutes to do the roughest, fastest, free your inner guru podcast episode ever. And, uh, And here is a story about my first quiet Christmas, which happened in 2005, and how it turns out that it's relevant today. Hi, my name is Laura Tucker. I am the host of the Free Your Inner Guru podcast. And one of the very few things that I have liked, loved, or enjoyed about 2020 has been rediscovering a joy for writing. And all that extra time definitely created the space for it. Um, I sent out a story that I wrote last night to my email list and from the response that I've had back in my inbox, uh, this story feels like something that wants to be shared more broadly. So there isn't time to do a podcast episode. And so I'm crossing over into video. So bear with me if I get stuttery or nervous. This isn't really my favorite uh, format unless someone's asking me a question. So, uh, but here we go. I'll, I'll give it my best. And the story is called... A Quiet Christmas and the Purple Toilet. I thought I would hate a quiet Christmas. My first quiet Christmas happened in 2005. In the space of 12 months of that year, I set the intention to relocate from Toronto, Ontario to Kelowna, British Columbia. I made two trips in the spring to create the clients I needed to relocate my consulting business. In May, I watched Louise, my best friend since kindergarten, die of a cruel and excruciating cancer. In June, I sold or packed up everything I owned and hit the road. Hopped up on iced cappuccinos from Tim Hortons with Coldplay's Fix You on repeat, I drove 4,061 kilometers across Canada with my dog Brandy and my photography equipment packed into my CRV. All my other possessions followed me in a moving truck. After arriving in Kelowna, I got my consulting business up and running, found a place to board my dog, and flew east beyond Toronto to the Maritimes to attend a photography workshop planned long before the thought of moving to Kelowna came out of the ethers. On my return home from that trip, I became aware that the real estate market in Kelowna was about to race beyond my grasp just like it had in Toronto. I responded by scrambling together my first mortgage and bought the most house that I could afford, a dated three-bedroom rancher. I took possession the evening of November 25th. Up until that night, Christmas was the furthest thing from my mind, 
And that suited me just fine. Christmas in Toronto was always a hustling, bustling time, full of friends and family gatherings, culminating on Christmas Day. The fact that Brandy would be my only company stayed in the recesses of my mind, obscured by my busyness. That is, until I took possession of the house. My realtor handed me the keys early in the evening, exactly a month before Christmas. I had hoped to get it or get in while it was still light outside. But a month before the solstice, daylight is short in Kelowna and the rest of Canada. Given the hour and that it had snowed that day, I didn't bring much with me, just brandy, a bottle of water, a water bowl, a shovel, and a folding lawn chair in case I wanted somewhere to sit. It was unexpectedly cold in the house when I arrived. In a final display of frugality, the departing owners had turned off the furnace. Astonished at being able to see my breath indoors, I found all the light switches and got the furnace and gas fireplace going. Brandy wandered through the house, taking it all in. It had a very different vibe than on the sunny September days when I had first seen it. It was built in 1967, just like me. It was solid, and as I was discovering, much more pleasant in the daylight. One by one, I took, each, I took in each room, painted a very different and bright color. In the absence of natural light, the high gloss wood doors and trim, the floor to ceiling drapes, pink sinks, tub and toilet in the main bathroom, and the purple <laughs> sink and toilet off the master bedroom, they were jarring. An ocean of ill-fitted shade carpet rippled on and on forever. It was a far cry from the welcoming castle I envisioned. I was the owner of a purple toilet and I was becoming overwhelmed. I sought relief from the multicolored chaos in the lawn chair. Unfolding it in the relatively muted living room, I plunked myself down and closed my eyes. When I finally dared to reopen them, all I could see was the pattern stitched into the white shag carpet and the gold floor to ceiling curtains. I closed my eyes again and visions of the purple toilet danced in my head. I, what the hell had I done? A once familiar and very unwelcome tightness was developing in my chest. The previous owners had a cat and dog. Brandy was frothing at the mouth as she searched high and low, unable to find them. My lungs, on the other hand, had detected their remnants. Dander was awakening my long dormant asthma. It had been years since I carried an inhaler and I was having none of it. I sprang out of the chair and started opening windows. As the cold, fresh air blew in, I silently hoped and knew that the utilities hadn't changed over yet. When I got to the giant picture window concealed by the drapes in the living room, I pulled them open the entire way. That was the moment it hit me that Christmas was on the horizon. Almost every house on my new street was lit up by colorful strings of light. Combined with the fresh snow, my neighbor's festive display was both a pleasant and conflicting sight. 
it dawned on me for that the first time in my life, I would have a quiet Christmas. More than that, I would be alone. The strength of the emotions that welled up from deep inside me took me by surprise. It wasn't that I dreaded being on my own. Being in high gear all year, I hadn't been able to see past the next moment, let alone to Christmas. 2005 was a year that had everything. Adventure, creativity, dread, grief, goodbyes, loss, new relationships, the stress of restarting a business, and the uncertainty of whether or not I would make a satisfying life thousands of miles away from everyone I loved. All accompanied by a great big mortality check, courtesy of Louise. I don't remember much about the time in between that night and Christmas Day, but it must have been a very busy getting set up in the new house and seeing clients. I do remember Christmas Day very clearly. Not realizing things didn't close at Christmas to the same extent they do in Ontario, I'd stocked up to stay home. I had enough food and DVDs in the house to last through to the other side of Boxing Day and beyond. On Christmas morning, I woke up earlier than anticipated and took stock. It was cold in the house because of the open windows, but I could breathe easily. Since I had nowhere to go, I could be grateful for that. Instead of my usual rush smoothie for breakfast and obligatory yanking of brandy around the street, I made French toast. Then, to her delight, I packed brandy up in the CRV and set off for Knox Mountain and had a long, leisurely walk. At some point, I decided in advance how I would experience my day. Instead of pining for what and who I couldn't have or do, I kept my focus small. I felt the crunch of the fresh snow under my boots. I smiled and wished Merry Christmas to the cheery strangers passing on the, on the trail. My eyes took in the pristine snow and how it piled up on the benches along the trail. Upon my return home, I experienced the reward of shoveling my own driveway, feeling an unfamiliar sense of pride in the effort. I made phone calls to my family three hours deeper into their day, and after a satisfying dinner, I sat on the couch and took out my journal. I wrote about all of the places I had been that year and the people I had met. I articulated how, six months into my journey, I was still afraid and somehow still moving forward. A description spilled onto the page of how the sun had burst through the clouds on the last morning of my drive across the country when I had stopped at Lake Louise and sent a silent prayer for support to my friend. I wrote about how much I missed my family, how grateful I was for my health and for the new life I had just begun. I captured how I was able to experience ease and fulfillment on my long walk with Brandy and being present to what was good in this day. I wrote those things and sent gratitude to a sense of the divine that I was beginning to experience as a sovereign adult living in an uncertain world. Unknowingly, I wrote so that 15 years later, I could look back on my first quiet Christmas from a different vantage point. 
from my desk in my home office back in Toronto. I can look into a time capsule. This time, it's a pandemic creating the distance between me, my friends, and my family. Much of what I experienced solo in 2005 resonates with what many of us are experiencing this year, a first quiet Christmas. If you had asked before it happened, I would have told you that I would hate a quiet Christmas. I couldn't foresee how I would grow to love and cherish the stillness, the time for reflection, and the opportunity to process the year. Christmas 2005 was more than a quiet one. It was my first Christmas alone. And while I was separated by distance, I was not separate from love. Merry Quiet Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Joyous Kwanzaa. Happy Solstice and Happy New Year. May your focus be exactly what you need it to be to move through it with grace. Um, I'll just take a couple of seconds here to go off the page and share that in writing that story last night and in receiving the feedback today and giving it a few rewrites, it's, it's allowed me to process a lot of this year and to think about the now obvious similarities. Um, although all of the change in 2005 was self-inflicted and <laughs> 2020 certainly most of it has not been um, and there have been times in my life that I have had um, struggles with depression and 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 certainly I wasn't then because I, I was in a growth mode and uh, for me that's been the antidote to depression but um, if you are still still watching and listening um, I, I want you to know that there's, you know, happiness, joy, abundance, prosperity, it's always there. And even when we can't readily access it, and as someone who knows what the not being able to access it is like, um, we can have faith and, and we can have faith that it's still there, that it will come back again. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think in hindsight, having that first quiet Christmas and, uh, and choosing some quiet Christmases um, in the years that followed, not all of them, but certainly some of them, um, it provided that space for that healing and contemplation that in so many ways is so much closer to the original intention for Christmas. And um, so while it is going to absolutely suck to not see my nieces and nephews tomorrow. And who even knows they weren't around in 2005. Um, you know, so it's different for everyone. It's okay to be sad and it's okay to be happy. It's okay to be um, finding unexpected peace and it's okay to be in deep, deep struggle. Um, there's room for all of it. And so from across the emotional spectrum and from a story that came to me last night and out of the journals, I wish you a, a healthy and peaceful Christmas and a very different 2021.